0: Last time we were talking about North Carolina and Duke playing, it was in the immediate aftermath of the Tar Heels ending Coach K's career. But now they've got a meaningful ACC football game to play, and it's time for UNC to once again dash the Blue Devils' hopes. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily
1: podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey there, it's Thursday, October 13th, 2022. It is my son Paxton's seventh birthday. Buddy, happy birthday. I love you so much, and I'm so thankful for you. Welcome in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making our show your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget, we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts. So you can subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second of your team every day today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts Boy, oh boy, it's great to be talking Carolina and Duke, but it's not February and it's not March. No, we have a meaningful football game between the Tar Heels and Blue Devils coming up, and that's why Isaac Shade and J.J. Jackson are here with you today, the host of Locked on Blue Devils, J.J., the host of Locked on Tar Heels, Isaac, to help get you set and ready for this game coming up on Saturday. We're going to talk right now about the Duke side of things, and so J.J., Duke is 4-2. and More wins in their first five games than they had all of last season. Uh, wins so far over Temple, Northwestern, North Carolina, a and and Virginia, who is struggling. The two losses came to Kansas, 35-27, and to, in overtime to Georgia Tech just last week, 23-20. Total of 11 points uh, deficit in those losses. Both won possession games. Uh, man, so the Blue Devils are very close to being 5-1 and one or 6-0. and oh. JJ, what's going right for the Blue Devils in Mike Elko's first season?
1: Yeah, you're not kidding. It has been a lot of right for Duke so far this season. I was not expecting to be in this position, truthfully, coming into the Duke and North Carolina game. There's a lot for grabs in this one, and I think Duke uh, is a much more intimidating opponent for the rest of the conference, North Carolina included, given what we've seen through the first six weeks of the year. What's gone right for Duke has simply been to play at quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, watching ACC football over the years, who in the world is Duke's quarterback? You haven't been able to know because every year post Daniel Jones, it's changed five straight seasons of different <laughs> quarterbacks around and around they go. And so finally this sophomore and Riley Leonard got his opportunity to be that guy out of Fairhope, Alabama and has really taken the reins of this offense Mm. and said, you know what? I'm going to be one of the most productive quarterbacks that Duke has had since Daniel Jones. And because of his play, the offense has really elevated the way in which they play. And they've been able to put a lot of points on the board. So I've been really impressed at that quarterback spot
0: for Duke to start the year. What, What exactly is it, JJ, that Riley Leonard is doing that's helping make that offense go? Taking care of the football.
1: And, and Isaac, that's is, that's a very simple answer to give you. But you look at back what Duke's done over the past few years. Gunnar Holmberg a year ago was turnover prone. The year prior, Chase Bryce had the most turnovers of FBS quarterbacks when well, his lone season after he played a couple of years at Clemson, transfers into Duke. And now he's doing good things at App State. I mean, he had a hell of a game <laughs> against right. North Carolina earlier this year. But that one season as Duke's starting quarterback, The only word to describe his performance was terrible. I mean, he just could not (laughs) take care of the football. And Riley Leonard has done that. Duke has valued uh, their possessions, has tried their best to put points on the board, every opportunity possible, even if that is settling for a field goal and that sort of thing. So, uh, And then on top of that, he has been able to take shots down the field. That's been a pleasant, um, bright spot for him being this young. In his uh, Duke career, right out of the gates, first game, we saw him take some shots down the field. It's not a lot of dump-off passes to running backs like Duke had with Mateo Durant a year ago. It's like, hey, we've got some weapons out there utilizing it. And then, yeah, most importantly, don't turn over the football. And that's exactly (laughs) what Riley Leonard's done.
0: That's great to hear for the Blue Devils. Now, there's also the the running game for Duke, and from what I've seen, it's been a pretty even split between Jalen Coleman and Jordan Waters. In fact, I was looking up the numbers just a little bit ago. They are dead even with 58 carries each this season. Not to mention Riley Leonard is the second leading rusher currently on this team. What, what are the Blue Devils doing well in the ground game?
1: And not to mention a week ago it was Jaquez Moore that had the most carries out of anybody in the backfield, another freshman running back. I I think just being able to split reps has been a great thing for this team. You knew that, look, Duke did go 3-9 and last year in the final season of David Cutcliffe's 14-year tenure as a head coach. Uh, It just wasn't great to watch the football team outside of number 21 in the backfield. Mateo Durant broke the school single-season record last year for rushing yards really remarkable stuff for duke running the football but mateo durant's not there anymore so you've got to have a more balanced attack a more balanced approach and you mentioned being tied in carries there with coleman and waters they've been effective they you know been able to uh kind of spell riley leonard as well and his ability to use his legs too has made it uh, a a pretty dangerous rushing attack for this duke football team
0: that's great so JJ let's uh, you know you hate to bring up losses but in those games uh, at Kansas and against Georgia Tech which listen let's not sleep on the Jayhawks they're having a solid year thus far what what were the issues that led nine, again i know it was close games and, and could have very much gone in duke's favor but what ultimately led to duke not being able to pull out those wins
1: yeah i mean you look at the two losses in this past week was definitely more worrisome than the Kansas loss because Kansas has proven to be a really good football team. And uh, at that quarterback spot, Riley Leonard put up really good numbers, still had over 300 yards passing on the day. And uh, you mentioned his play so far this season last week, however, against Georgia tech, he was under 50% passing with his completion percentage. And then also threw for a hundred and fewer than 150 yards. He had done that the week prior Against Virginia, but still had a line of 12 for 16, something along those lines, a buck 40. If you told me going into that Virginia game that Riley Leonard would have less than 150 yards passing, I don't know how Duke would have been able to beat Virginia. But then you turn on the film, you watch how well they run the football, you remember this is Virginia. Uh, And and, and it starts to make a little bit of sense because that has been uh, one of the strangest teams in the conference so far this year. So uh, definitely their inability to have a productive passing game this past week against Georgia tech really hurt them, um, which is unfortunate because Riley Leonard has played so well to start the year. He did have an interception, um, which, you know, taking care of the football again, remains uh, the paramount objective. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's just been a little bit of inconsistencies in their losses on the offensive side of the ball.
0: Well, the nice thing is that even when the offense isn't performing great, you've got a defense right now for the Blue Devils who are allowing just 19.7 points per game, going to be tested obviously this week against the Tar Heels offense coming in averaging 42.3 points per game. What is it that the Blue Devils have been able to do defensively to limit their opponents to under 20 points a game?
1: Yeah, defense is the name of the game when you play for Mike Elko, and you know he's the former defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. The past few seasons had a run at Notre Dame and spent a lot of years at Wake Forest with Dave Clawson, helping run that Demon Dinkin defensive unit. Last year, the Heisman Trophy winner in our sport of college football was Bryce Young. He was only defeated twice, once in the title game and in the regular season, defeated by a Mike Elko-coached defense in Texas A&M. So. This guy knows his stuff when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. The big question mark going into the year was the secondary. they are known commodities on the defensive line for Duke and Dwayne Carter and R.J. Oban and V.J. Anthony. They've made plays. Shaka Hayward was the leading tackler. He's one of the only players on Duke's defense that's getting all-conference recognition and preseason outlets and that sort of thing. Everybody was wanting to know what is going to be this Duke secondary. What in the world are they going to look like? And they have really stepped up to the challenge. I've been really impressed with what we've got from somebody like Brandon Johnson stepping up Mm. and making plays. Jalen Stinson has been active on the defensive side of the football for Duke. So their secondary stepping up when they need it to has been a big bright spot for the Duke defense.
0: You love to see it. All right, folks, that is a great primer from J.J. Jackson on the Blue Devils football team. What they've been doing so far this year. Much more for you coming about North Carolina and Duke in just a second. BetOnline is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find, like this North Carolina Duke game, where the Tar Heels are favored by seven points. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores from every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs going on right now, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. It's a locked-on
1: crossover. Locked-on Blue Devils and locked-on Tar Heels colliding ahead of the big game coming up this weekend between Duke and North Carolina from Wallace Wade Stadium. 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff, a late one under the lights. I'm J.J. Jackson with uh, Isaac Shade from Locked On Blue Devils. And, Isaac, we talked about Duke. Now let's talk about the North Carolina Tar Heels. Tell me a little bit about this Tar Heels team this season. Five and one on the year. And the talk around the country so far has been the play of your quarterback in Drake May.
0: And that's absolutely the very first and main talking point, JJ. This guy is now in the top 10 on Bet Online's odds to win the Heisman. I mean, who would have saw that coming out of a preseason when you didn't even know who was going to be the starting quarterback until game week of the first game of the Tar Heels season. But Drake May has come in and not made folks forget about Sam Howe, but man, coming out of the Sam Howell era when you thought it couldn't get any better. It has been, Um, and, and that's just the reality is that you've got other skill position players who have grown, and that's obviously helpful to him, but there is just a poise and a moxie about this young man that you just don't often see in a red shirt freshman. Now, he did come back down to earth Ever so slightly last week in the win down at Miami through picks, two of them, one right before halftime, one right after time. Prior to that, had only thrown one interception on the entire season. However, when you contrast that with the other numbers, currently Drake May is tied for the national lead with CJ Stroud for the most touchdowns responsible for in the nation at 24 third in the nation with passing touchdowns 21 he's third in the nation in quarterback rating he's just making all the right reads um, not holding on to the ball too long getting out of the pocket he looks comfortable and poised making good throws with good reads good progressions but also making very difficult throws had an insane touchdown pass to josh downs last weekend carolina's leading receiver like basically a fadeaway as a defender is diving at his knees and just put it right on the pocket. Drake May is doing everything that you could have hoped for and more for this Tar Heels offense.
1: Yeah, you talk about the Tar Heels offense, and coming up at the conclusion of our podcast today, Isaac will talk a little bit about the the major keys for, for Duke and North Carolina win these games, and definitely limiting the passing attack is something that we'll focus on from the Duke side of things. In terms of those weapons, however, one of the names you just brought up and Josh Downs has been so electric last season for North Carolina and continuing it this season, however. But we know with any great passing attack for a quarterback to have 21 passing touchdowns, <laughs> it's not just Josh Downs right. that he's been throwing the football to. And quite right. honestly, through the first couple of weeks of the season, if memory serves, Josh Downs wasn't one of the bigger commodities of the Tar Heel passing game, who have been some of those top targets this season.
0: That's a great question, JJ. And part of the reason he was not one of those top commodities the first couple games is he sustained an injury in Carolina's first game of the season, and so actually had to miss a couple games. Okay. And honestly, if we're being real about it, that was probably the best thing for the Tar Heels, who had option one, two, three, and 47 as Josh Downs <laughs> last year. And so Drake May needed some more targets to be able to throw to. One of those, the biggest name you need to know outside of Josh Downs is Antoine Green. Now, while Josh Downs is the slot receiver, Green is the guy that's gonna take the top off the defense. He had missed the first three games of the season, having suffered a collarbone injury this preseason, came back against Notre Dame, has had multiple touchdowns of over 50 yards already, and so is a perfect complement, deep threat to Josh Downs. Now, Drake May is not Sam Howe, for those of you who remember him, in terms of just deep shot after deep shot after deep shot. Drake May is taking what the defense gives to him. If it is that deep shot to someone like Antoine Green, Fantastic. He's going to go after it. But if it's Josh Downs, wherever he's at, that's great too. Some other things you need to know about the passing attack are the tight ends. Carolina starts Kamari Morales, but then has two other guys in Bryson Nesbit and John Copenhaver who also come in and are really strong threats. While it's Morales that starts, it's Nesbit that's actually probably the most. NFL draftable player out of that tight end group. He's kind of this hybrid tight end wide receiver player that uh, Drake may is really starting to show an affinity for had 98 yards two weeks ago, a season high or career high, excuse me, in receiving. And so you love to see that some other names to know in the receiving game are JJ Jones, who had a huge touchdown last week, Gavin Blackwell as well. There's a freshman Andre green junior, not to be confused with Antoine green um, who is not yet seeing the field very often, but has freakish talent that people are excited to see on display.
1: Talking about that passing attack, it's gotten so much publicity as it should because your quarterback has been so dynamic. Again, top 10 in all those stats. Drake May has had an amazing season and surpassed expectations, I think, that folks around the conference had for him going into the season. But with any great offense, you do need to have some level of of a rushing attack. What does that look like for North Carolina this season?
0: Oh, uh, and that's a, That's a great way to put it, JJ, because coming into the season, Carolina had a running back room with six different running backs in it. Um, one of them who was projected to be the starter British Brooks was hurt preseason out for the year and will not be back. He, he's already said he'll come back next year, but is out this season. And so Carolina has chiefly relied on true freshman summer enrollee not even early enrollee summer oh. enrollee omarion hampton who started uh beginning in week two and had several starts but has kind of faded a little bit the past couple weeks he did have a touchdown last week again but Caleb Hood has been the guy that has started each of the past two weeks. Carolina went to him on the ground and in the air quite often last week. However, he had to come out of the game twice with injuries. So we're kind of in flux waiting to see what his status will be for this week. But those have been the chief two guys are Hood and Omarion Hampton. If Hood's not able to go, you want to be on the lookout for another true freshman, George Petaway and he will probably get some more run if Hood is out. The other thing that Carolina has very similar to Duke is that Drake May currently is the second leading rusher on the team.
1: Anytime a quarterback can use his legs, it makes it more challenging for a defense, and we'll see how these defenses fare. Again, Saturday night's game, Duke and North Carolina from Wallace Wade Stadium. All right, before our final timeout, we do got to talk defense for the Tar Heels. (laughs) The Duke fans need to know what this looks like because – You know, you look at the numbers, Isaac, and through the first few weeks of the season, a lot of people spent time talking about that defensive unit for the Tar Heels. So many folks are well aware of that 63-61 to showdown with Appalachian State and 40 points being given up in the final quarter. From the outside looking in, it seems as though the defense is starting to play much better football, though, over the last few weeks. What's been the biggest reason for that?
0: Yeah, that, that's a great point. The consistency, JJ, has been the linebackers who you're looking. It's a 4-2-5 scheme, so you've got two linebackers. that's Cedric Gray and Power Eccles. They're going to have the majority of the snaps. In fact, one of the two of them has been the leading tackler each week. Neither of them has been outside the top three in tackles in any single game this season. And so the issues have been more up front and in the secondary. Uh, part of the problem is Carolina has not been often able to generate much of a push with that front four, but that's been rounding into form a little bit more. From my vantage point, the secondary, while it has struggled, a big part of that reason is because of the lack of push from that front four, which forces the secondary into longer coverage periods each play. Uh, they too are rounding into form. you got your cornerbacks, in um, Tony Grimes and my favorite name in all of college football, Storm Duck. And these guys are uh, starting to get back on it. You saw some of that in the past couple weeks. As you said, only 10 points allowed to Virginia Tech two weeks ago and 24 to Miami. So for the first time this season, the Tar Heels, uh, it's like, you're celebrating something that's not all that huge of an accomplishment, but for the first time this season, the Tar Heels have allowed fewer than 30 points in, in these two games. Um, Now the question is, is that because Virginia tech is so porously terrible on offense, or is that actually step forward for Carolina's defense? It's honestly probably some of both, but you look at last week as an example on the road at Miami steps in the right direction. Carolina had a huge goal line stand, Miami had the ball first and goal at the two Carolina stopped them four straight uh, plays and they were not able to get it in. So like that in itself is like, man, that was in the second quarter of that game, a huge turning point, potentially even for the season for that line. And then Carolina forced two turnovers in the fourth quarter that helped solidify this game. It was not the offense, interestingly enough, against Miami, who only scored six points in that second half. It was those defensive bend-but-not-break moments for the Tar Heels in the fourth quarter, including a game-sealing interception from DeAndre Boykins.
1: Pretty good stuff from that Tar Heels defense over the past few weeks. Gene Chizik, the veteran back on Mac Brown's coaching staff, right. uh, leading the charge for them on that defensive side. So it uh, could be a big storyline going into the game yes. on Saturday. Speaking of big storylines, we'll talk about those and wrap up today's Locked On crossover after this final timeout.
0: I want to invite you to join us in our drive for five where we're making a final push to the basketball season to get up to 5,000 YouTube subscribers on the Locked On channel. We're doing weekly drawings where you can be entered this week to win a wonderful Tar Heels hat. Man, this is a great sun hat. You can wear it in the pool, out to a football game to protect your neck. I look ridiculous in it, but you would look awesome. It's even got a drawstring on it. All you have to do to be entered to win this hat is subscribe to the Locked on Tar Heels YouTube channel. If you're watching, you can do that very easily just clicking on the subscribe button at the bottom corner of the screen. If you're listening, just hop on YouTube, find the channel and hit subscribe. Make sure to subscribe by this Saturday to be entered into this week's Drive for Five drawing. All right, folks, it is time for our final segment of this Locked On crossover with Locked On Duke and Locked On Tar Heels. Oh man, got to figure out what's at stake in this game and how exactly it's going to play out between these two teams who seem to have something of an identity, but we're still trying to exactly figure out what that's going to be. So JJ, as you look at this game in totality, we've talked about both teams. What do you see that's at stake before we kind of get into like the nitty gritty of it?
1: Yeah, outside of just being a massive rivalry, right? And we saw it, of course, uh, exemplified on the hardwood this past season. Uh, We have yet to mention the Final Four game, and that's probably for good reason. But here we are on the gridiron with a a great showdown coming up. And so uh, looking at what's at stake outside of those rivalries, I've been so surprised by what we've seen in the Coastal Division of the ACC, the Tar Heels. (laughs) are in the driver's seat, and Duke's gotten off to a good start as well with a one-in-one league mark. And so uh, with the coastal chaos that we've seen over the last several years, I think positioning in the conference and in these division standings is such a big thing going into the second half of the year, and a big win like this for both of these teams will help in reaching their goals of representing the coastal division in the ACC championship game. I didn't think that that would be up for grabs between these two teams, yeah. and of course, this game—you know— whoever wins this game still has to go out and execute for five more weeks. That's but right. you got to feel good about yourself putting another win in that column there. So I, I've just been really impressed with where both of these teams are at. You mentioned the four and two record for Duke, five and one record for North Carolina, no conference losses for the Tar Heels so far this season. I mean, it's a—it's a lot up for grabs in this one.
0: Yeah, I agree. And not to mention in this coastal chaos, it's Georgia Tech that's second in the division right now. What is happening? Like, we expected them to be down where Virginia's at, sitting at right. 0-3 in the conference. But like you said, so much on the line in this one. If Carolina can move to 3-0 and in the, in the conference and they're in the division, man, really kind of, I wouldn't say a stranglehold, but is really in the driver's seat, as you said. But a win for Duke, man, getting to two and one it just feels a whole lot different than one and two. Not to mention, we're getting towards bowl eligibility status for the Tar Heels. If they win this game, they are already bowl eligible, sixth win of the season. For the Blue Devils, if they were to be able to win, it would put them just one game shy of that bowl eligibility status. So we're already starting to look towards um, post-season hopes in terms of what these wins mean. And oh, JJ, you better believe we got to talk about what happened on the hardwood. I'm not staying away from it because the Tar Heels are so proud of what happened there. And we have been waiting with bated breath to get that out there and just bring it up all over again, open up all the scabs and, uh, let's go with all of that noise. So we have, we have not been, uh, uh, waiting sadly to get to bring that back up.
1: Yeah, no, we're, uh, we're under 30 <laughs> days away That's from right. a new college basketball season. So we'll have a lot more bragging rights up for grabs for sure.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so, uh, getting them into the nitty gritty, how, how do you see this one playing out JJ.
1: I think you got to respect both of these offenses. What they've been That's able right. to do so far this year, I really think this is going to be an offensive football game. It's been this weird paradox in football over the years, Isaac, where you see two amazing defenses. You feel like nobody's going to be able to score. Is this going to be a battle of specialists? And next thing you know, they're scoring a million points. On the other hand, it feels like we've seen a lot of games where you've got outstanding offenses, No one's ever going to be able to come up with the stop, and then next thing you know, (laughs) no one knows what touchdowns are in games (laughs) like this. I don't think it's going to fit either of those. I do think the offenses will be able to move the ball. I like what I've seen from Duke's offense so far, and given that there are and have been question marks about that North Carolina secondary for the most part throughout the season, I think Duke's going to be able to move the football. But with that being said, Drake May is the best quarterback Duke has played this season, and it's not even close. Uh, Do want to give some love to Jalen Daniels at Kansas for his numbers that he's put up, like we mentioned. But Drake May is different. I mean, he has been a game-time game-changer in the sport so far. So I I think North Carolina's got the edge in this one. I really do, uh, which pains me to say. I just think that North Carolina (laughs) offense is way too good, and I don't think Duke's going to be able to come up with enough stops when it gets down to the end.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly how I'm looking at this game script. In fact, I, I had written down as I was preparing for our talk today, like this feels like a first team to 30 <laughs> wins kind of sure. game, right? It's not, I'm with you. Cause I, I think it's somewhere in between, right? The teams are going to score, but I just don't see it being like that app state, North Carolina game we talked about earlier when you're into the, 60s. Right. Um, it just feels like if a team, whichever team can get to 30, uh, probably walks away with a victory in this one. Last last time I looked at the line, which was just a little bit ago on Bet Online, which is our our uh, betting sponsor here on the Locked On Network. Uh, North Carolina is favored by seven, an over under set at 67 and a half points. That's pretty wacky. And so for me, I'm going to take North Carolina 35, Duke 24, heels win and cover. But I'm going to say this one actually hits the under, kind of to what you were pointing at earlier, JJ. I think it just doesn't quite get as wacky on offense as maybe many people think that it will.
1: Yeah, I I haven't been able to put as much thought into the score that goes there, and then you're asking me to do the math and adding up whether or not that hits the over, uh, which is a difficult challenge for my brain, Isaac, but uh, I I do think these offenses are going to put up numbers. My gut reaction at first would be uh, to say that they do go over that 67 and yeah. a half. And like I said, I do think North Carolina wins this football game at the end of the
0: day. Okay, folks. Well, get ready for it. I know it's October and everyone's anxiously anticipating basketball season coming up, especially for these two schools. But press pause just for a couple more weeks, because we got a big-time football game in the ACC Coastal Division coming up on Saturday night at Wallace Wade Stadium between the Duke Blue Devils hosting the North Carolina Tar Heels. For this Locked On Crossover for JJ Jackson, the host of Locked On Blue Devils, and myself, Isaac Shade, the host of Locked On Tar Heels. Thanks so much for diving in with us. That's it for today's episode of Locked On Tar Heels. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you got some great insight on what Duke is doing on the football field this season. You obviously already know what the Tar Heels are up to. Coming up tomorrow is our Carolina-centric preview with Anthony Pagnata, who joins me every Friday. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. You want to send an email to the show? Lockedontarheels at gmail.com. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen of the day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked on take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. Please don't forget, you can subscribe to the show very easily. Please smash the like button, leave some great comments. Don't forget to ring the bell for those of you watching on YouTube so you can get notified every time a new episode drops. Once again, thanks so much for tuning in. Hope it's been an enlightening episode for you. And I want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a Tar Until tomorrow, peace!